Hey, my dear friends, Mano Ilya here. You're listening to or watching The Study of Stuff. And of course, you already know that because it says it right there. Anyways, this interview was an amazing one. I really had a great conversation with the fine gentleman at Synaxis Podcast. Both Josh and Jordan are extremely knowledgeable guys. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. We jumped all over the place. We discussed perennialism. We discussed Gnosticism. We discussed uh, New Age Deception, UFOs, Father Sarah from Rose. Uh, what else did we talk about? Music and the occult. And of course, we did it all from the perspective of three gentlemen that are Orthodox Christians. If you like this content, you know, please like and subscribe and all that business. Um, I got a lot of stuff coming up soon and uh, it'd be, yeah, you know, I hate asking that. Just, 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 just do it, man. Hit those things. Anyways, if you don't know about Synaxis podcast, you're about to find out a lot more about them and you got to check them out. It links in the description. It's an amazing podcast. I keep saying it over and over again in the interview, and I really mean it. One of my favorites. Check out Synaxis Podcast. Here we go. We're to Big Bird and Jing Jang and a Wing Wing Wang. All right, and we are live, and I want to welcome on to the show today, uh, Synaxis Podcast. I'm super excited to have this conversation with these two fine gentlemen. Please introduce yourselves, my friends. Hey, Mino. Thanks for having us on. This is Jordan. And I'm Josh. Awesome! I, I really appreciate you guys doing this. Um, it's it's been um, it's been fun watching a lot of your videos, and uh, I was like excited to have a conversation with you guys, uh, being that we kind of have a lot in common. Uh, we, we all uh, we like the same kind of stuff and all that. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, gentlemen. Awesome, right on, man. man. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, dude. thanks for reaching out. Um, first thing I want to start off with is the characters. Uh, why did you pick Pythagoras? And who's the other guy? The, is that supposed to be like the metal mystic? Yeah, exactly. That's the Metal Mystic. He's actually um, uh, Mephisto from Faust. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, so, okay, we chose them kind of out of expedience because we knew we we didn't have any kind of visual stuff. We were just making an audio podcast, and we are like, maybe we should try to add a visual ele- element to this. Um, and it was kind of, it was really inspired by, uh, what are those guys? Dormant Dynasty? Iron. Oh, yeah, no, uh, Iron Age Archive. Because they do a similar right. thing with, like, little animated Avatar guys. Right, so right, like, right. Oh, we could probably steal that. Um, <laughs> and so I, I chose um, Mephisto for the Metal Mystic stuff that I was doing, my other channel. So I was like, I'll, I'll just bring that over to kind of, like, make a tie between the two things, um, since I'm already kind of known by that image anyway. And then I just chose Pythagoras because I liked the... Uh, aesthetic of that that art style and yeah through those thug life glasses on him <laughs> yeah and i always liked uh platonism and like some of pythagorean kind of stuff from back in the day when i was more interested in that explicitly and he was just like how about pythagoras and i was like yeah that sounds great dude and yeah out, out of expedience we were like quickly trying to come up with the characters and i was like yeah dude looks awesome the pythagoras yeah that's a good choice uh yeah, yeah i was also uh, into him for a while too until i kind of started getting out of all that stuff you know yeah, I watched some of your stuff. Yeah, it seemed like you definitely have like a similar path being interested in like esotericism. I think you said you're in the Kabbalion and Yeah, that was like kind of I called it unfortunately, I called it my Bible for a little while. So I was uh yeah, I was deeply into that stuff. Yeah, totally. Well I get it. It's it usually shows people who are like deeply seeking for the truth in one way or another. A lot of people end exactly. up through some path of like es- esotericism. So it certainly resonates with me. I get it. Definitely, yeah. It was a, it was an interesting journey for sure, and I and uh, it uh, it seems to be helping as well because uh, I'm, I'm able to have a lot of conversations with individuals individuals that are still in that world and make the comparison uh, to orthodoxy and show the inversion and all that stuff. So it kind of helps. It kind of helps. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so let's start with, uh, I, I want you guys to kind of uh, give a little bit of an overview on the podcast. Uh, and of course, I'd like to get your stories. Uh, but let's start with uh, the podcast. Uh, I, I know I've heard you guys talk about uh, the whole journey to Montanica and uh, the long, along the way, you guys kind of started this conversation. So um, yeah, let everybody know about why you started the show and what the show is about, because uh, I want you guys to explain it, because um, I really like a lot of the topics you guys touch upon. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of, like you said, it, it, it was birthed out of this conversation we had on a road trip together. And it's just, it's kind of the culmination of, of our friendship in which we related to each other on all these different, like, weird uh, niche topics, <laughs> like occultism and yep. philosophy, all this stuff. We've always, yeah, conspiracies. Yeah. We've always been interested in all this stuff. And we, we just thought it would be cool to have a, you know, just like a conversation kind of podcast format where we tried to, um, I guess, I don't know though my words are failing me right now, but just kind of dissect these things in, you know, like kind of a laid back way. Um, and, and it would also give us the opportunity to do some research and kind of present our findings, um, in this kind of format and, and we're still kind of, I think, becoming whatever it is we are. We just decided to start it, just to start it and see where it went. So that's kind of where we're at. Well, I, I'm really happy you guys did because uh, a lot of the subject matter you guys are touching upon, you guys do a really good job on, on research and deep dive. Uh, uh, you really cover a lot of... Um, in, a, in like an hour episode, you'll kind of cover a lot of ground and you'll uh, actually go deep in, in that hour. And I, I really appreciate that because I know a lot of how much work that takes. So it, it's it's commendable, really. Yeah, that's a nice Thanks, compliment. Man. Thanks for saying that. That's and cool. the editing. Oh, my God. The editing is incredible. I'm jealous. I'm not going to lie. I think Jordan, Jordan crushes. Yeah, he yeah. crushes his editing, dude. <laughs> it's 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 incredible. So I, I kind of actually wanted to have the conversation in reverse, kind of like usually people start off with their stories. Uh, I wanted to kind of start off with like talking about the, the podcast and then move into the, to the to, to your stories. Um, so it seems that uh, a lot of your background, both of you, uh, has to do with the occult, as you mentioned. And um, I think uh, uh, I think Josh, you have a little bit of uh, experience with Burning Man and all that kind of uh, new age oh, yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Let's get into some of that. Let's let's talk about uh, how did you find your way to Orthodoxy and like what was it like before you got there? Before you got to Orthodoxy, uh, I grew up in a kind of I I always explain it. I didn't really have like a background metaphysic. Like you grew up cradle Orthodox. I grew mm -hmm. up with like a Protestant grandma who mm -hmm. was pretty saintly, like, like, uh, I don't want to just say she's holy, but she's, she's great, you know, and she's been a big influence on my life. And my dad was like, a like a pro skater in the eighties and was kind of this like rebellious, you know, like listening to punk music. And my mom, uh, kind of rebelled against kind of Protestantism until I was 14 or 15 and then got into it. And at that time I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like I didn't yeah. take it very serious. And, you know, I had a pretty big rebellious phase and moved out and met a bunch of people in, in my area who um, were into philosophy, but also pretty into psychedelics and like more along that path. So I definitely had like many years of that, like, you know, psychedelic use and, but also being interested in philosophy. And then, yeah, it culminated into Burning Man for six years straight, you know, and that that's a whole lifestyle in itself for sure. Absolutely. 
So like if people know it's it's a it's not like really a casual thing. Like when you do Burning Man, it usually becomes like the center of your life. Like the people I knew who went to Burning Man, it ends up being like their um, New Year's. You know, the whole yeah. the whole year cycles around planning for Burning Man, and it's usually just for a lot of people like a bacchanalian festival of do whatever you want, you know, and a lot of drug use and and but before and kind of during all that, I worked at a Christian camp where a Protestant camp in the kitchen where I met Jordan. And I was pretty disagreeable and I liked to argue and I would argue with all the Protestants and they were really sweet, but like, you know, maybe couldn't really keep up. And I, would, you know, not, yeah, they, they were really sweet. I'll say that they were very kind hearted, but Jordan was one of the Orthodox people. I think he was the first Orthodox person I met there hmm. and he could kind of keep up. He could argue with me back in uh, a way that I enjoyed. So that's kind of how I got introduced to him. And we really bonded around like conspiracies and, you know, I, we're into Alex Jones. It was a lot, you yeah. know, it was 10, 10, more than 10 years ago now. So, you know, I, I was into, uh, I, I think I was into David Icke a bit, oh, and yeah. I, but I was really into Alan Watts and that kind of oh, like, yeah. you know, Alan Watts isn't even a good example of like a perennialist. He's kind of just jumps around to whatever Eastern philosophy he likes at the time, but he's very yeah. charismatic. He was fun to listen to. And definitely I did. So, I did so, a lot of that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a good speaker. He's really fun to listen to. You can say things in a really compelling way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then, so yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to um, Jordan and orthodoxy, but I didn't take orthodoxy seriously until a couple of years ago. And right now I'm not even baptized. Like I'm a catechumen right now. Oh, okay. But, but um, yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to Jordan and to orthodoxy. Awesome. How about you, Jordan? Um, yeah, well... I, uh, the thought occurred to me because you talked about like occultism and stuff and I was never officially involved in that, mm -hmm. but I was just really immersed in like metal and horror movies and comic books and like all, just, you know, all the pop culture stuff that was happening at the time. And I've realized over the years how much is embedded in that and how like on almost a subconscious level, I was being initiated into this occult mindset. Yep. And so that's been, a, I think that's been a big part of our podcast is, is dissecting all of those things. And I, I guess I hadn't really thought of it in those terms until now, until you mentioned that, because it was like, I never actually wanted to join any kind of like order or, or actually do magic. I'm, I'm actually, I just had this memory of like in middle school finding a witchcraft book under the bleachers <laughs> yeah. in PE and uh -huh. I was flipping through it and I, and I noticed that they spelled magic with a K and I was like, they spelled magic wrong. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I just threw it back where I found it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was like my own pride somehow saving me from, cause I, I could have easily gotten pulled into the darker places, but I do feel like, um, you know, God was watching over me and guiding me through Absolutely. all that stuff. Absolutely. And other than that, I mean, my parents, both of their parents were very devout Protestants, but they had sort of fallen away, but still kept a certain Christianity. Mm -hmm. And kind of the same with Josh, like my grandparents were really my sort of introduction to a deep belief in Christ. Um, and that stayed with me. Um <clears throat> But my, you know, like early in like my teen years, early on, my dad was really struggling with alcoholism, and he ended up 
discovering um, an Orthodox bookstore in town. And he started going to the parish. He started reading a whole bunch of like Father Sarah from Rose and all this stuff. And he would bring this stuff home. And after a while, he he got baptized and I saw a huge transformation in him. And uh, that was the start of me. It took years after that, but that was the start of me really being attracted to orthodoxy. And I still had to go on my journey. And and it was really when I took a, a world religion class um, at a junior college where I started discovering all these different um, religious philosophies and then kind of recontextualizing them in orthodoxy. And that was when I, I read Christ's Eternal Tao. And that was the book that I credit with like really converting me that's a good Um, book yeah and so i guess that's a basic summary of how i got here well it's it seems that uh um father center from rose seems to be uh like uh especially in in uh in in canada the u.s well predominantly in the u.s but i'm also hearing it from canadians that are kind of finding their way back to orthodoxy or to orthodoxy Mm -hmm. father center from rose seems to be uh you know saint of, of of the modern day you know what i mean because um, especially his connection to alan watts which you which you mentioned as well and uh he's like a perfect bridge to kind of uh tie it all together and kind of make sense of the things that didn't make sense in the occult new agey sort of world you know i'm sure we kind of all face that uh especially being at burning man and and uh, yeah. and, and going through metal music because I, I had uh, i was a little bit more punk than metal but uh i definitely grew up with a lot of metal heads uh, so like, I know exactly what you're talking about, the whole Jimmy Page stuff. And I mean, oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he like, lives in Oster Crowley's house. Exactly. You know, and, and, uh, and I remember even uh, the Aussie song uh, Crowley and then singing it along. And then one yeah, day, Mr. Crowley, yeah. yeah, then all of a sudden you start realizing who he's talking about. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. And, you know, and, uh, Sergeant <laughs> yeah, Pepper. That was the first time I ever heard about Aleister Crowley was from that song. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, uh, Sergeant Pepper, he, he's on the cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's it's weird how subliminally that those messages get like dropped. You know what I mean? Like uh, almost like it's intentional. <laughs> it's, yeah, you yeah. know, and then you don't realize it until you kind of start uh, you know singing a song and then going, "What is it? What are they talking about?" And you kind of look into it. But uh, that's why why I love uh, talking about Father Sarah from Rose because uh, it's kind of like the reversal of that. You know, like the deprogramming it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. It yeah. really is. Yeah, like you said, uh, Seraphim Rose really appealed to me because not only was he a student of Alan Watts, but he was incredibly into Taoism. Yeah. And I did like a form of Chinese Kung Fu when I was younger, just kind mm-hmm. of went to do a martial art in the area. And it was one that was like heavily focused on like breathing exercises. And it was kind of implicitly Taoist. Yep. So like the idea of yang and yin is like cosmological principles and like it focused on breath work. So like by the time I was interested in esotericism, like when I looked at a lot of the the Western esoteric traditions, they kind of seemed like they were missing a lot where I felt like a lot of the Taoist stuff was kind of just like, it was implicitly, it had esotericism kind of in it, at least like the martial arts aspect, you know, where there was like, yeah, it just felt like a more complete version. So I think it was one of the things that made me not too interested in people like Crowley early on, but I was interested in it being like, oh, like, this is all probably just like magnetic fields and like prayer and certain things like, you know, there's just ways to utilize the body and the earth. And like, so I was kind of looking at it from like an Eastern uh, perspective more, but then yeah, father Seraphim Rose really like elucidated a lot. And he's, I I think we always say he's the the patron saint of lost Westerners. Yes. Yeah. That's a better way of putting it than I put it earlier. Absolutely. That's great. 
but yeah, so he really appealed to me and, and we had like a similar path. And so, yeah, he's, he's definitely the coolest. For sure. Yeah. And you put it well, me too. That's kind of what, uh, like even when I got into all that stuff, it was more, uh, like I, I did some Qigong as well and all that stuff and looked into Taoism because of the Kabbalion's kind of like, um, it's very similar in the, in the concepts and ideas. Uh, so yeah, that attracted me as well. I was less, in, less into like the black magic stuff. I'm not really yeah. interested in that. I'm far more into Same. like, uh, the metaphysics behind, you know, the all as, as opposed to calling it God, just the all and all this stuff and these mm-hmm. concepts of the universe and what they are. So it's kind of interesting how, uh, f- like, uh, father Seraphim rose after reading uh, a bunch of his work, nihilism and, and the orthodoxy and the religion of the future, by the way, great job with that, with that video guys. That was amazing. Awesome. Thanks, man. So yeah. Actually, I, I've sent that to a few people that started asking me some questions about UFOs and all that. I'm like, oh, you oh, nice. check this cool. one out. Awesome. A- Thanks, man. No, it's a, it's a great video. It's a great video. So um, now uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the the research you guys do. Um, like I said earlier, it's you guys do a really good job uh, packing a lot in in an hour or so. Um, how does that go? How do you guys do that? Like, do you guys split it up? Uh, like, and I also like the feel that it's a conversation when when you guys are both talking. <laughs> so how how do you guys do the research and then how do you present it? I guess it depends on the kind of topic. Some of the topics we knew a lot about before, you know, like um, we both read a bunch of Seraphim Rose and uh, like the vampires one, the recent one was definitely like having to dive more into it because, you know, not very studied on the history of vampires. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some of it we'll know before and some of it will be like, we should learn about this thing. Here are some books or let's read this or. Yeah, and I I usually try to base it on like one main sort of like text or, or piece of media that we could hang everything else on. Mm-hmm. So like, like the UFOs, when you mentioned, we, we started with a chapter from Charles Upton's book, the yes. alien disclosure deception. Um, and then we used that as a jumping off point into all these different other things we wanted to talk about. Um, so yeah, it just kind of depends on the subject, like Josh said, but um, we usually try to take a couple weeks to just kind of follow threads and see where they go. And then we, we, we like make a Google doc and we throw, you know, all the different things we'd like to cite into that. Then we start um, organizing it. And usually, usually an episode we'll do like one or two takes on because we'll listen to the first one and be like, Oh, we could have talked about this or we could have elaborated on that better. And then, so, and then we'll cut both of the best stuff out of both takes into one episode. And that's kind of how, they come together. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's tough because I'm trying to do a lot of that now. So like when I w- watching your guys' stuff, I was impressed. I was like, okay, these guys have a good handle on how to present things. It's really well done. I sorry to keep mentioning that. I just like it's it's impressive. It's good. It's good. So really I, wanted, nice. yeah. I wanted to talk about um, how uh, like how you guys intertwine orthodoxy into each episode and kind of how you 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 give a perspective from an orthodox perspective, obviously. Um, what was it while you were doing the, your exploration in all these different subjects? What was it about orthodoxy that kind of um, gave you an entry point to understanding a lot of the stuff? Because that's kind of how it feels from 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 the outside, like watching uh, your guys' videos. It, it seems like you're you're kind of uh, tying all these world events or situations, like for example, in the Brave New World episode, and then you're finding ways of bringing the whole uh, orthodox sphere into it and to explain things. Um, what, what elements of orthodoxy do you guys find relevant in how you guys put it all together? 
don't know if that question made sense now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, no, I think it did. I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like spiritual warfare on an individual level. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, because um, Christ's eternal Tao, like I said, was the book that converted me. And that was the first time I was exposed to this idea that you can, that, that you are not your thoughts mm, and you yeah. can recognize when a thought is harmful and you can banish it and not, not accept it or, or like a desire or something. You, you like the watchfulness um, of the Holy fathers, which is something, I mean, obviously we're all called to struggle with and it's not something I'm necessarily great at, but it's, it's something that I guess I've been thinking about a lot. And so taking that from an individual level and kind of applying it to like this sort of macro pop culture level and seeing how these, these influences can start creeping in and start kind of manipulating the way people think. Um, I think there's something there um, in the way we treat it with orthodoxy. Um, But what about you? you I mean, there's no perspectives from nowhere, you know? So I think that orthodoxy is true. (laughs) So that's the easiest to come. And it's like having studied a lot of other worldviews, orthodoxy really equips you with like, like not just like presuppositional apologetics, but it gives you a, a frame to come at things with that's coherent and internally consistent and maps onto the world. Mm-hmm. Or like having done the Burning Man thing, I've kind of had a lot of different worldviews at different times. So I can kind of in my head quickly look at things from different perspectives or like past worldviews. And orthodoxy just bullies the rest of the worldviews straight up. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it for sure. No, I, I I could totally relate with how you just put that. I I, I can um, I, it wasn't so I was born in the you know orth, uh, Greek Orthodox and all that stuff, but um, you know it took me a while to get back to it. But then when I started looking at a lot of the things I was really into in the uh, quote unquote occult world, like uh, you know the concept of of the third eye and and energy and all that stuff, and then you start applying it to like the concept of noose from the Orthodox perspective um, and uh, logo spermatica. Like I've had direct uh, experiences where I'm writing songs, uh, older songs, where uh, I, I went back and like looked at a couple of them, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm writing about all this like uh, cultism and all this stuff." And then I started reading the lyrics and started realizing Logo Spermatica was present because all I had to do was change a couple words, and it was literally like mm. uh, an Orthodox song. And uh, that's one of like that was a moment for me where I kind of stood back and I went through a lot of my lyrics. And I'm like, "No, it's present. It's present here." So. I like how you guys put that because um, I think you said in one of your episodes, uh, having Orthodox as a worldview, it kind of changes how um, you look at things like whether it's aliens or noose or or energy or um, all of these concepts, it changes your perspective. It doesn't mean that they're not real. Like, so a lot of people that are, you know, when they get into the Christian world, they're like, oh, you know, that magic stuff isn't real. And from an Orthodox perspective, no, it's real. And that's half of the problem is that it works. But yeah. we have a different explanation and a different inverted yeah. view of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it puts everything in its proper place. Like it, it does. Yeah, everything's in it in the right context. I, I think I would argue, like within orthodoxy, mm-hmm. like Josh was saying, it, it provides the framework, and um, yeah, you you have to recontextualize all these things that may not even seem like they're related, but they do fit in. Absolutely. Um, you guys also touch a lot on uh, perennialism, and uh, that's definitely something I want to have you guys back on at some point, so we can get a lo- go a little bit deeper. 
Um, but uh, and I think that's an important uh, subject, especially in the world that we live in today, um, being the, how everything's kind of melting together and it's losing its meaning. Um, and uh, like, how does so? That, that seems to be a theme that kind of flows through all your episodes. And I think you've even mentioned it a couple of times that you guys have to do an episode on perennialism. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to. <laughs> I, I'm insisting on it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, at what point did that kind of come into your, your, your worldview, the understanding of perennialism, like seeing it and, and like applying it like into like how you interpret uh, pop culture. Cause that's kind of what you guys are doing is like looking at pop culture from that perspective. Yeah, well, for me, it started with um, a book by Charles Upton called System of Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with, with that author at all? I am, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so I, I discovered him probably two or three years after I was baptized. And when I read that book particularly, it almost felt like like a weird sequel to Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future. Right. But it was with a completely different not not a totally different perspective, but like a what felt to me as, as like a wider perspective at the time, because he is a student of like the traditionalist mm-hmm. uh, perennialists, which I guess you have to make uh, a distinction between them and like just general perennialism and like new age sort of religious pluralism, because they're a lot more rigorous and they true um, and they do put up boundaries. Um, and for a while I was really receptive to that and I, I really wanted to believe in it because <laughs> there were certain things in that book that seemed to make sense to me mm-hmm. and that didn't at the time didn't really they undermine orthodoxy. They actually seemed to, to champion orthodoxy as true. But then, you know, after years of kind of wrestling with this stuff, um, I realized that it really does end up undermining um, the incarnation of Christ and and everything that makes orthodoxy what it is. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it, it definitely needs its own episode because that entire um, journey that I just described is, uh, it would take a lot to unpack that. But Of course, of course. Uh, and, I, uh, and I think that Jordan's the one that got me into Charles Upton and Rene Guénon from oh, Rene back Guénon. in the day. But before that, my experience with perennialists were through, um, I did ayahuasca in ceremony uh, in, a couple times. And it was in like an invite only circle of people who would turn themselves as perennialists. There were mm-hmm. some of them were Buddhists. And so it was kind of through like real world interaction of people who had different traditions, but they would come together and be like, look at the commonalities between these things. There's some kind of esoteric truth or like inner truth to all these exoteric shells of religion. You know, there's all these different forms that it takes, but really they're all kind of saying the same thing. So I had like in-person experience with people like that before I got into Upton and Ginnon who um, talk about it, I think more coherently. Yeah, that does definitely seem to be prevalent in that world. And I experienced the same thing either, even if you go as back as far back as like uh, Madame Blavatsky and uh, the Theosophical Society, you could see that they're already trying to do that and kind of combine all these religions and kind of say that they're all, you know, it's all, we're all just kind of looking at the elephant from a different perspective and all that. But it was funny because I was listening to someone talk and the, the one common thread that you find amongst all religions, they always mention Christ. 
uh, and they always like say, yeah, you know, he was a pretty important person, but he was just some guy or whatever. Right. But or he's you like don't, a Buddha of the West, yeah. Exactly. But you don't find that in, in from the from the Orthodox perspective. We don't go around saying like, oh, you know, Buddha was cool. This guy was cool. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah. They all accept Jesus as a cool guy. You know what I'm saying? If, <laughs> yeah. From their perspective. You know what yeah. I mean? So that kind of gives us some credit and clout, I think, you know, to some degree. Yeah. Like everyone kind of knows there was something about this individual. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, a lot of them will just, especially like the theosophists and the occultists, they'll just reframe him as, yeah, like an enlightened one. Like now right. he's an ascended master and right. it, it leads to that just like, oh, he's just he's just one of the dudes who had the spiritual truth of what is like a perennialism who now yes. is, you know, is one with Buddha and all that. But, you know, it takes the core of orthodoxy and kind of like uh, perverts it into a he's just another good guy dude you know it's exactly. one of those things yeah yeah and then now they're going as far as like uh saying that he was an alien you know linda moulton howe i remember hearing her say that back in the day and i was like what are you talking about an alien like <laughs> Yeah, dude, the alien stuff online gets pretty. I mean, that's another thing. Being into conspiracy stuff back in the day and feeling Absolutely. like you're learning all this stuff. Like, <laughs> I remember watching the Disclosure Project in like yes. 2010, and it was funded by like yeah. one of the Rockefellers, and yep. like, you know, some of that stuff was really interesting. And being part of a mainstream society, that's like, oh, all that alien stuff's ridiculous. And then yep. feeling like you're really figuring stuff out, like, kind of leads you onto a path where you end up ultimately deceived. You know, so but you true. feel like you're figuring the thing out. There's this thread of truth through all of it, and it ends up totally deceiving you. So true, and like they planned it that way. That like that's like uh, I was reading a lot. Uh, been going through the Tavistock uh, Institute, a lot of the um, c- a couple of different books, and like going through the actual source material. And uh, it's funny because when you read a book like that, and then you go to the source material, and you just see the actual individuals saying that, "Hey, we're gonna do this. We're gonna like yeah. create create this." Like it's almost like. A, What's that thing parents do um, where they, uh, um, oh, I'm blanking out, uh, where they, where they good reverse, cop, kind of. not oh, the good, like reverse, uh, uh, reverse psychology. It's kind of like, uh, like the intellectual version of reverse psychology. Like, yeah. don't look over here because you don't, you know, that kind of situation you start, like you said, you start digging into like the, uh, cause I got into like the UFO stuff back in the day, like with uh, Richard Dolan's and a few other in, uh, key individuals and I was like oh my god I'm on to something I'm figuring this all I'm yeah. such a detective I'm so smart <laughs> yeah I was totally right there I was like dude I'm figuring this out yeah <laughs> yeah totally and then I go back and I look at some of the footage like the you know the Stephen Greer stuff with the disclosure oh, project from the beginning I'm like how did I not see this all these malakis, man, they're like, they're clearly like spooks, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. oh, it's Then they're usually like obviously attached to intelligence agencies Every and not time. even in like a crazy way. They're just like, I'm a CIA agent and I'm retired yeah. now. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm sure you're telling the truth. <laughs> Every time. What's that Canadian guy, uh, Paul Hellyer, I think his name is? Uh, he was like a high uh, Canadian defense minister. He was like one of the very first high officials to start. To, I think he's Paul Hellyer. I can't remember his oh. name. But Is that uh, the guy that was, I remember seeing like a Canadian parliament video of a guy being like, uh, that's him. He was talking about like, um, the aliens came and said that the climate change is going to destroy the earth and they want to protect us from that or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's always some sort of like big global problem we have to solve. We could always yeah. only solve it if we all kind of come together in a one world government scenario. Yeah, global problems have global solutions. Yeah. Every time yeah. like Ronald Reagan's speech is like pretty, pretty telling and yeah. ah, it's, what a world, man. What a time to be alive. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because like uh, now that you br- br- you guys brought that up, it kind of brings back so many memories of being young and like figuring all this stuff, thinking I'm figuring all this stuff out. And like I got one, I got one, like I figured this all out and like running out to my friends. I'm like, did you, did you know about this? They, yeah. they, reverse engineering, the technology is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's because oh. the official narratives always seem ridiculous. Stuff right. like Roswell, it's like, dude, it's just a weather balloon. So like <laughs> right. anyone who's kind of curious and is like, really, was it just a weather balloon? Like the newspaper <laughs> said it wasn't, it was a saucer. So like, it really makes you feel like you're on this thread of truth and just these other people don't see it. And it like appeals to people who are curious and intelligent and, you know, disagreeable and are already distrusting of authorities. So Absolutely. it really does a way of, yeah, it's like a reverse psychology where it's like, it's definitely not what it seems to be guys. And then, and then you get led to this ridiculous path that leads a hundred places and nowhere at the same time. Every time it's always the same. And I, I remember I was, uh, I'm going to probably put out the episode soon. I was kind of doing a little bit of a deep dive into like, uh, um, um, the, what was that? Uh, the one that Orson Welles uh, faked the, uh, the War of the Worlds. War, War of the Worlds. Yeah. So I was doing like all like the background info on that and how the Rockefellers were involved with it and the Princeton yeah. Radio Project and all that stuff. And it's the same story. And then uh, it's always like this uh, this experiment. Like, will people buy it? Will they believe it? And then they start. Uh, you know. And then you start. You know, twenty twenty nine eleven. All these situations, mm-hmm. you kind of see the same rule book being like. You know, they're just reading out of the same playbook. You know what I mean? And they're just doing the same sort of situations. And going back to that story, it's literally the exact same thing as Y two K and nine eleven, twenty twenty. All of the the SARS the the whole SARS thing back in the day because I was in Toronto when that happened and that was it hit Toronto big. Oh man, it's such a weird world that we live in and so many crazy things people believe. I don't know. Like me as well. Like the things I bought into, I can't believe it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? The, um, a cultural shock or whatever, like the Tavistock. Um, yeah. The, the, the shock troops, they were out there to, to kind of, yeah. uh, yeah. Future shock was, uh, Alan, uh, I forgot his name now. I have his book around here too. Like, so like, it, it's just, it's weird. Cause like you could just see their play. If you just kind of go back and you like read all their Toffler, Alan Toffler, that's the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He wrote future shock. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just strange and it's, it's weird to kind of, uh, look at it from an orthodox perspective going back to that. Like, uh, now that I'm kind of going a little bit deeper into like the metaphysics, uh, within the, the orthodox faith and realizing how much, uh, mysticism is a big part of it and how a lot of these things are, uh, explained from a different perspective. I think you guys also mentioned it when you guys were talking with, uh, the Collins brothers about, um, UFOs and then how the ancient description of, of demons, uh, pretty much it, it paints the same picture and father Sarah yeah. from writes about that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I wanted to kind of move towards a music a little bit cause, uh, I'm a musician as well. So, uh, so you, on metal mystic. So on, you had a, you had, we did one on Dio. Uh, uh-huh. and, and so what do you got? You have any more coming up? You got Richie Black. Yeah. I've, I've had one in the works for a while and I've, it's, uh, it's been hard to balance, I've been kind of, I don't want to say distracted, but I've mm-hmm. been more focused, I guess, on Synaxis podcast. And I also have a full-time job. So I'm trying to learn how to juggle all this stuff, but I've, I've been working on a sequel to the DO one. Um, because as I was working on the first one, it, it became pretty blatant to me how, I mean, obviously how into the occult he is, but like thinking about a lot of his other material and, and how Gnosticism is really, um, woven into all of his lyrical themes and stuff. So, um, that's one I, 
I've been working on that should hopefully come out soon. I awesome. need I need time to focus on it though, um, because I've been, I mean, I've I've been reading a lot of books about it. Like I've been, I I feel like I need to get a better grasp of Gnosticism, and it's such a wide ranging, uh, like I don't. I don't want to call it a belief system. It's like, it's like more than that. It's weird. It's this weird, like mm-hmm. winding thing. So Absolutely. I've been trying to get my mind around that and so that I could present it in like a pretty authentic way. And that's kind of what has been taking so long because <laughs> I I just have this stack of books I'm trying to work through, but I, that should hopefully come out soon. And I have plans for other stuff after that. Um, one that I really want to look at is Bruce Dickinson's, solo album yeah. uh, chemical wedding yeah 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 um because that has a lot of like william blake and, and alistair crowley influence in that so big time um, wasn't he but yeah that, that takes a lot of research and, and editing so it's going to be a little bit but hopefully it comes out soon oh absolutely yeah no I, I understand the research end of it sometimes you get stuck in that research phase and you don't uh you don't put things out I, that's where i'm at i'm trying to yeah yeah <laughs> get stuff out and yeah you're right the <laughs> gnosticism is a massive one especially like which gnosticism you're looking at too yeah yeah it's evolved quite a bit yeah exactly and it's uh creepy in a, yeah. in a lot of ways <laughs> for sure it's, for a, sure. it's super creepy but um, uh you ever thought of doing one on gg allen um no that's actually not one that has come up but you know i could throw it on the list for sure i, Do, I wasn't super into him i know like of him, but i don't know a whole lot I just know he's kind of a weird, gross guy. That's really yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't into him either. Like uh, not, that wasn't, but it, it just the the way his like his. I'm more into his story than anything to do with his music, just because it was it was such a strange. It reminded me a lot of Charles Manson. That that mm-hmm. kind of like psychology behind it. Like he was he was born as Jesus Christ. His father named him Jesus Christ. But anyways, well, well, it, yeah, and he. I don't even think I've heard of this guy. Interesting. He's like a crazy weird punk dude. Uh, yeah, he's gnarly, man. If you, if you, if you look him up, you'll, you'll know exactly what I mean. Like pretty, pretty gnarly, gnarly dude. It's yeah, it's weird because like even the the punk world, um, it had uh, like what we were talking about with Father Turbo, um, the perspective from the punk, like especially that time period, the late seventies, eighties. Uh, it was kind of like the opposite of the metal world in a lot of ways. Um, so. You know, coming out of that sort of scene, um, not that I was a, 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 a teenager at that time, but I mean, like a lot of that 70s and early 80s punk really influenced me. It was kind of more of like the rebellious nature of, of uh, questioning and pushing back. And mm-hmm. I had a lot of metal friends who were into a lot of the stuff that, that uh, you've referenced. And I remember us having like these debates and arguments. And I remember bringing that up when I was a kid. I'm like, you guys are just always about like this pretend Satanism and, and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. And you're not talking about anything. And they're like, what do you mean? We're doing black magic. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh my God. What a world. What a world. Yeah, it's crazy how that kind of like Satanism has inundated so many subcultures. Like someone who grew up skateboarding, it's like that too. Like the amount of mm-hmm. skate companies that have like explicitly satanic logos, like True. more than just like Thrasher and stuff. Like True. it always surprises me. I'll go into a skate shop and be like, whoa, is everything like this now? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's yeah, changed it's a, a lot. What, yeah. when, were you, when were you into skate, skating and punk? I mean, I grew up skateboarding because my dad's a skateboarder and my dad still True. skateboards. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, and so, and I kind of stopped for the longest time and I got into rock climbing and other kinds of like exercise. And like in the last like year I started skateboarding again. So 
so I'm skating and yeah, that's why I'll end up in skate shops and I'll look around at the decks and stuff. I'd be like, whoa, like those are sigils all over these boards. Like yep. that's not good at all. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how they try to seed all that into like, uh, to get into your subconscious and you never, you don't really notice it, you know, until like, uh, you read one of these books or watch one of your podcasts, you know, it's, a, it's, it's weird, man. It's weird. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So um, to go back to orthodoxy, uh, I know we're jumping all around all over the place because I, I kind of like that this time around. Um, yeah. So what was it about orthodoxy uh, that you kind of that kind of pulled you guys towards towards that version of Christ rather than like the Protestant version or the Catholic version? Like what was it specifically about the Orthodox faith that kind of pulled you guys? Because I mentioned it with my in my my uh, uh, interview with Father Turbo uh, when I first started seeing. Um, non-Greeks, non-Russians, non-Serbians kind of starting to talk more about Eastern Orthodoxy, it, it struck me as odd. Like, I was like, this is weird. Like, I think one of the first guys I heard was James Perloff and, and Jay Dyer. And that was like 2014. And I was confused. I'm like, these guys aren't Greek, Russian, whatever. How does it, you know, it just, because growing up in Toronto, no one knew what that meant. They say, if you said, I'm, 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 I'm Greek Orthodox are like, what do you mean? What does that mean? Like, they didn't, you're like some weird Catholic. So, <laughs> it's, it's, so th- that always kind of struck me as, as an interesting thing to discuss. So like, what was it about Orthodoxy that kind of pulled you guys? Well, for me, I think it's, it's a, it's a weird combination of Orthodoxy being very practical and grounded, but also, super cosmic and like overwhelming. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know how to put it, but because um, I, like I said, I, I had certain influences in my life growing up, like my grandparents who were very, very Protestant and they were really devout and they, they loved, they loved Jesus. And they, they taught me like my, I remember one of my earliest memories is my grandma teaching me to sing um, this little light of mine. And, uh, mm that's stuck with me for a long time. But I remember my dad trying to take us to all these different um, sort of like rock band churches in the area. And I don't know, I would, I, I, I literally would sit in the back and, and have like an earbud in listening to Merciful Fate while they're, while they're playing <laughs> worship music and stuff like that. Um, yeah. like, I don't know, I was an angsty teenager and I wanted to believe in Jesus, but there were, everything seems so fake. Um, and I didn't really know how to square it. And I didn't, I didn't really know where to put that desire to believe in, in God until like I, I started, <clears throat> like I said, I took that world religion class and every, every section, like learning about Hinduism and Buddhism and the ways they thought about like um, desire and how like our desires mm-hmm. destroy us and we have to be free of them. Like that, that really changed the way I thought about the idea of sin and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, we got into the Taoism section right, right, right. and that was, that was when I thought about, oh wait, my dad had that book, Christ's Eternal Tao. And then I read that and it just, it just seemed to tie everything together. It was like this really lucid, intelligent, but also like mystical, it was just the whole package. And like, it, it just hit mm-hmm. me in the face <laughs> when I read that and um, that started the ball rolling, I guess you could say. I'd, I'd say Christ the Eternal Tao is a big part for me too. That book really wrapped up a lot for me and made me incredibly interested in orthodoxy. And also, yeah, finding Jay Dyer online. I was really into like the ANCAP, 
like anarcho-capitalist, li- super too. libertarian for a long time, big Molyneux yep. fan. And yep. watching Jay Dyer kind of bully Molyneux in a debate about like uh, abstract objects, like the, the existence of numbers and how you ground certain things, like it made me realize that orthodoxy can really defend the kinds of things that I had always been passionate about. Because a lot of my interactions with Protestants was them being very kind-hearted and sweet and definitely better people than me for a lot of the time, but couldn't really defend the kinds of things intellectually in the way that I wanted to. So it always made me lean towards something like perennialism where I'm like, oh, I can just look at this as like the skeleton. You know, I had something to defend when I was talking about perennialism. And then Mm -hmm. seeing Jay Dyer like really use like presup like the presuppositional apologetics against other worldviews, like it made me incredibly interested. That and the church fathers liked to debate, yes. you yes. know, so it wasn't just a like, believe me kind of thing. And it really made me quite interested in it. So it, it drew me a lot. And then Christ, yeah, because I was a, a Taoist for so long that Christ, the eternal Tao, like really pushed me in the direction of being like, it's orthodoxy. And it also just seems like so much more full of a worldview where like, a lot of Protestantism would be like an intellectual thing. It's an accepting of an idea. It's like, well, Jesus is part of the Trinity and you put him in your heart. It's, it just seemed like, um, like kind of like an intellectual thing and not so much of a, a lived out. A little bit more abstract. Maybe. Yeah, it was more yeah. abstract. And not to say that there aren't Protestants who have like an embodied kind of faith, but in orthodoxy, it really embodies the kind of faith and tradition that appeals to me and and the, the older i get the more i kind of had like a disdain for modernity so like a lot of the modern stuff i don't really like like i'm pretty opposed to much of what's going on in modernity and orthodoxy is such a stronghold against all the stuff where i'd see yeah, yeah like rock band protestant church is not the kind of thing that i want to be engaged in you know so then going to liturgy and seeing the colors and the the censors with frankincense and more like it just it engages all of your senses in a way that like really spoke to me it just seems so much more full of a worldview than the other kinds of christianity i'd encounter Mm. yeah i fully agree also like uh going to like the incense and all that in the senses uh it just brought to mind uh the first couple times where i kind of started putting putting together like a lot of the stuff in the in the new age where there's like fractal patterns and and uh you know incense and all that stuff and like phi ratio and all that you still see those present you still see a present it's part of our our churches right uh, so it's not like you have to walk away from those things. You just have to reinterpret what they mean and kind of go closer to the source. Yeah, a huge part of that's what I, one of the things I noticed at Burning Man is so many people were like fed up with the kind of like modernity and materialism. Like everyone's yeah. just wearing sweatshirts that they're yes. just like, well, this is sacred geometry. Yeah, yes, you know, they yes. have like platonic kind of shapes and like just yes. mathematical ratios and phi everywhere. And like yes. that always appealed to me. They're talking about cymatics and how yep. vibration yep. creates certain patterns that are yep. predictable. And like that really appealed to me for a long time. And yeah, through orthodoxy, you don't have to throw that kind of thing away. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I have that book. <laughs> yeah, the, the Junville, Mel- Junville Melchizedek. This yeah, guy, totally. Of, yeah. No, yeah, you, I you're right. a lot of, yeah, so, yeah. So it lets you like, uh, it lets you keep a lot of those things and just put them in their right place. You know, I don't have to yeah. throw out the fact that math and ratios and, you know, that that stuff is a real thing, you know, mm-hmm. where I feel like uh, there was a tendency in other kinds of Christianity that I had encountered to try to look at all that stuff and be like, ah, it's new age. She'd be like, yes. no, dude, God made the patterns. It's, it is cool that there's ratios and patterns and that fractals and, you know, mm-hmm. like, especially doing hallucinogens, like a lot of people end up seeing fractals and it's something that 
sticks with them and they're like, wow, some, there's something to this that I can't really explain. Yep. So orthodoxy just puts it in its right place. That, that's so true. I, I think the last uh, psychedelic experience I had was in 2019. Uh, I took... Uh, I'd started off with seven grams of mushrooms, and I think by the end of the night I was fourteen. That's Going hard, yeah. <laughs> oh man, it was it was it was intense, and I will never forget that experience. But now looking at looking back at that experience from this perspective, um, something didn't feel right about it. Like it wasn't a bad experience. I can't say like it, I, it was it was it was a very interesting trip. It was a good trip, but now looking back. I could realize why it felt kind of dirty. I don't know. Like some people ask me, like, what's the difference with like uh, when you when you pray now and you you know you're you're participating in uh, in Orthodox ritual. What's the difference? Um, I'd say in some cases it's, it feels somewhat similar. Not that it feels like psychedelics, but I mean like the the overall understanding of of what's going on around you. But I just have a um, a different understanding of what up is and what down is. You know, kind of like uh, yeah. the, the analogy I use is like whether the world is flat, whether the world is round. That's not the debate point. The point is. If you point up in both scenarios, up means something totally different. If you're on a flat earth, up and down mean one thing. And if you're on a round globe, up and down means something totally different. But both are up and down. It kind of feels like, I don't know if that makes sense, but just in, like changing my perspective of psychedelics or uh, um, like my experience on psychedelics and, and, and uh, cymatics and all these things that you, that you referenced, um, it's weird because when I'm looking at it from an orthodox perspective now, it feels more like, uh, first of all, it clicks. It makes sense. Uh, it um, it has more meaning l- rather than less meaning, and it's less um, less. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Less abstract. It has more of like a definitive truth to it, uh, where you can see the architect and you're worshiping the creator rather than worshiping the creation. And I always, I always find that annoying. Uh, even when I was really into it, everyone was worshiping the creation and never really questioning who's making all this happen you know and uh i don't know i went off on a tangent yeah no i totally agree with that that or there's even a more pernicious kind of thing that goes through all the psychedelic stuff where people will realize that you know that there's the creation but then they'll have a i'm the creator kind of pantheistic kind of thing where it's like i actually make these patterns and it's all you know so it leads to like a a dark, weird narcissism where mm-hmm. you're the whole, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and usually it's some form of like Advaita Vedanta kind of out of context where it's, yep. you know, the, the big soul is the little soul and I'm the whole, I'm the cosmic soul and I'm really what's doing this. And it leads to people. I mean, I saw it a lot at Burning Man. People would live like narcissistic lives, really devoid of any kind of coherent ethic, but it was cool mm-hmm. because they're God. And if they harm someone, it's really just them from another perspective. And that I really did not like. That's so true. That's so true. It's like a self deification. You're worshiping of the self. Absolutely. It's like solipsism at its its highest. Yeah. Which is interesting because solipsism is one of the uh, commandments of like the satanic church. Uh, right. It's one of their high pr- principles, and it's kind of funny when you look at that and you kind of invert their. Uh, if you take those satanic um, commandments and you kind of look at what's going on, it's very new age. Very new age. Absolutely. Like, I create my own reality. I'm so important. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, so um, I wanted to ask you guys a couple last questions. Uh, so what do you guys have coming down the pipeline uh, as far as the podcast, uh, Synaxis? Like, what do, you, what do you guys got coming up? Well, we are preparing for like a sort of holiday special. Um, we want to talk about okay. Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol um, and kind of follow some threads, sort of like we did with Dracula, like try to put it in sort of an orthodox lens because 
I mean, Dickens was one author that Father Seraphim Rose um, recommended a lot, especially to like mm-hmm. catechumens and stuff to to start recontextualizing them into like a an orthodox ethos. Like he thought that Dickens was a good introduction to that. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it. And we just wanted to do something Christmassy for the holiday season. And then another thing we're ramping up towards is an episode on, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Romanian prison camps and the three education experiments that happened there. Um, awesome. And that awesome. one's, that one's going to be a, a, a heavy one, but yeah. uh, it'll be good. So. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. I want to, I want to hear all about that. Definitely. 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 That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's um, one heavy last... and sad, but it's it's good to it's good for people to know about because it was such a recent kind of thing that like most people are pretty unaware of. Absolutely, so, yeah. How did you guys get introduced to that subject? First of all, um, well, Father George Kalshu was actually b- before I was around at my parish. Can you hear me? Yeah, now so I can there? hear you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Father yeah, George yeah. Kalshu. Uh, was you know who Father George Calcio is, right? He was one of the one of the priests that went through. I do. He I was do. actually arrested I actually twice. Um, and but he he came to America and he he had a relationship with with the priests at our parish, and he's a very highly respected figure there. And I read his the first edition of his book, which is called Christ Is Calling You, pretty early on, because they had that at the bookstore, and everybody recommended that to me. And it was, it's just so powerful, like the, the depths of darkness that he had to go through and like, and the, uh, the providence of God that he experienced there. Um, and it's, it's just like this super uplifting story in, in the most inhuman, uh, circumstances. So that's really what appeals to me about that. And it just shows like the, um, the light of Christ shining in darkness that that's really i think absolutely absolutely like uh so what wh- sorry i don't know go ahead Uh-oh. oh oh so sorry because it keeps clipping out i'm sorry my internet's uh, all over the place that's one thing about mexico is yeah this happens a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so yeah no that's like i'm really looking forward to hearing about that because uh yeah, I've uh, I heard you guys talking about it um, recently, and I was kind of hoping you, you guys would be putting that out sometime soon because it also fits in with a lot of the stuff I'm kind of working on for the future. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to ask you guys to come back on and talk all about that because uh, I think it's a very important story. and uh, It shows a lot about uh, the human condition, and um, it also shows what the dark side can do and what they're capable of and why yeah. they're doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So my last question before I let you guys go uh, is uh, what podcasts do you guys listen to um, in terms of what well, doesn't have to just be orthodox stuff, but of course a few orthodox podcasts or just anything in general. Sure. Um, well, for me, I, lately I've been listening to a lot of PSYOP cinema is really good. Mm. Um, uh, who else? William Ramsey. I like a lot. Oh yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. He's really cool. I mean, obviously, like Jay Dyer yeah, and um, Church of the Eternal Logos. Of Those are going to be the first two I said, oh, for yeah. sure. David Patrick. Yeah. Henry, yeah, yeah, he's yeah for sure. Um, yeah, stuff like that. I think that's, that's awesome. a good sampling. Yeah, I, I, pretty much the same. Yeah, I, I don't listen to too much PSYOP cinema, but I should. I know that they're pretty good. 
but yeah, a lot of J yeah. Dyer, a lot of Church of the Eternal Logos. Um, I think that's mostly what I listen to now. Oh, Cloud of Witnesses. Oh, Cloud of Witnesses is the new one. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've checked that out, it's really good. <laughs> I have. But, I have actually because of you guys. You guys posted it uh, even before you had him on, and I was like, oh, what's going on with this? And that was good concept, great guys, and I really liked it. I, I liked the interview you guys you did as well. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was really cool. Pajot, Jonathan Pajot was really Pajot. good. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Orthodox ethos uh, recently. Uh, oh, nice! Father, yeah. Father Peter's here's like a uh, man. I, like everything you guys mentioned, same same thing. But uh, I go through like these weird phases where I like I'll just listen to one podcast for a couple of weeks and then I'll kind of sure, flip yeah. and go around. Yeah, so it's kind of it's also interesting because a few of my friends have uh, since I started posting about all this stuff, they. Um, uh, they started asking, like, oh, what should I check out? And they're like, there's this whole world. And they started freaking out. There's this entire Orthodox thing going on. I was like, yeah, I know, man. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So it's it's funny because once you hit hit a couple of uh, podcasts, it's like, it like explodes into this weird world yeah. where you don't even know it exists. And it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, you're like it's almost crazy. overwhelmed with the amount of good content. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and I've been posting a lot of the Death to the World stuff because, you know, oh, yeah, punk, Death to the World's background. Great. Oh my god! Yeah, there's oh, a new YouTube. Course. Oh, there's yeah, a YouTube but... channel Harmony. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that. It's no, dude. You have to check it out. It's really good. They okay. they did like a death. To the, I'm pretty sure if you type in depths of the world, it's one of the first things that pops yeah, up. Yeah, they made like a video presentation of the first issue of Death of the World. I have seen that. I just it's didn't so realize cool. that. Uh, yeah, it's that so channel so though. They did another one. They did uh, one of the chap, maybe two of the chapters of God's Revelation to the Human Heart. Oh yeah, yeah. Rose. Oh. And it's oh, all, and the editing is really good. It's everything about it is like phenomenal. Um, it just the video like making and audio. Yeah, you have to check it out. It's really good. I will. I will. That's 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 awesome. No, no, because that that's uh, it's key because like when when people see those images, they don't. It's like it changes their perspective of what they think Christianity is. Like I remember yeah. someone messaging me message like, "Who are these wizards holding skulls?" <laughs> I know it's so cool. I know it's funny. It's one of when I worked at the Christian camp back in the day when I met Jordan. I remember there were some other people who were Orthodox there, and it was like at a time when I was really arguing with all the Protestants. And I would like I remember meeting one of the guys in the kitchen, and being like, "Are you Christian?" And he was like yeah but it's not what you think it is like and that was just that always stuck with me where he was like almost reticent to say yeah because he knew i was gonna think of it as like way different from what it you know from traditional orthodoxy so 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 that always stuck with me yeah and i did want to say death to the world was huge for me early on too it was like definitely i was talking to the priests they were like oh you like metal maybe you like this so um, that definitely appealed to me. That whole punk aesthetic is. Oh yeah, for sure. So good. Yeah, and and that that also seems like there's like these little small camps within the Orthodox uh, universe where like there's like all the punks on one side. You know, you have a uh, uh, like Father Turbo and mm-hmm. the Royal Path. Then you have all like the Death to the, to to the World guys and Buck Johnson, of course. You have all these like yeah. like because mm-hmm. I I love Buck, of course. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, Counterflow, man. I love him. I love him. And then, and, you know, when they're talking about punk bands, I think that was one of the first times I was like, what? Father Turbo's talking about like uh, the Cro-Mags. And I was like, what? And, and, and that's, that, that, that threw me for a loop. And they started naming all these punk bands. I'm like, I grew up with this. What, you, what the hell's going on here? Oh, sorry. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> so it's it's weird. It's such a strange world when like uh, when friends of mine or like old punks, they're like asking about it. And it's the same thing, like you said, like when you said, oh, are you Christian? You're like, yeah, but... 
not the the clean that kind of thing that you are not like there's this whole other like realistic dark underbelly where it's it's just real it's real it's it's not yeah. um yeah yeah it's not the ned flanders it's not like cookie, co- yeah, cookie cutter like social media kinds of christianity yeah it's it, there's something yes. about it that's like gritty and raw and i think it appeals to people especially in the punk and like metal kind of aesthetic absolutely absolutely and, and uh, i even here um in mexico i've had a few people ask me a lot of questions um some people in the new age they're kind of rethinking that uh one person in particular i'm thinking about she's like veered away from that and started asking about orthodoxy and i was like oh you know and i try not to push anything on anyone i just kind of like say well here's some entry points and then just let them you know kind of figure it out themselves but i remember um seeing it in her face when she started to realize it's not easy it's not like there's like work to be done and it's something that you have to constantly kind of keep at and it kind of like yeah. um yeah it separates those individuals that maybe aren't ready to go deep i don't know if that if i'm saying that in a nice way i'm trying to be polite <laughs> <Yeah>. about it <laughs> but it's sure. not for everyone yeah. it's definitely yeah. not for everyone all right, gentlemen, uh, thank you guys so much for, for uh, coming on the show. And uh, I really appreciate uh, this conversation. And I, I don't get a chance to have too many. So doing an episode like this is, uh, is fantastic. I'm going to be doing a lot more. Um, but please plug everything and anything you're doing. Uh, everybody needs to check out your, your, your channel. It is fantastic. I'm not just saying that. that it's fantastic. So please plug away. Please, please, please. Oh man, that's so thanks, nice of you to say. Yeah, and thanks for having us on. This was yeah, awesome. man, it was a good conversation. You're a likable dude. Easy to talk <laughs> oh, to. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. thanks. <laughs> so yeah, mostly um, we just have the YouTube channel right now, Synaxis Podcast. That's where you can find pretty much everything. We're hoping to branch out to other stuff um, sometime, but um, that hasn't happened yet. So I guess that's just primarily where, where you'll find us. We also have an Instagram page and a Twitter page as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely plug, plug that in. Other. Oh yeah, yeah no, your, your, your merch. Before you go, oh, yeah, we don't do have a merch page. Merch. Yeah, I always forget about. I always forget to push the merch. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah, uh, we can put a link to that too. It's it's just a what is it? A Teespring link. Um, JG's Classic Tees is a cool little T-shirt shop that is carrying some of our designs, Synaxis designs, Metal Mystic, and some other stuff. You can check them out. Um, we'll see if we can get like a coupon code going for listeners or whatever. Definitely. Um, and I'll yeah, make, and I, I also sure have I the them. Metal Mystic channel, which should hopefully get updated sometime soon. I keep, I'm keeping people on uh, waiting there, but yeah. It'll be worth That's the wait. Awesome. Mystic Metal is great. Definitely check it out if you haven't. It's really high quality videos. It's great. What about you, Josh? You're going to spring off and do it your own like channel too? Uh, <laughs> probably not. I just got married. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm busy with other stuff. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> We could do a, we could do a married podcast about like being orthodox and being married. You know, that's a like, good point. Yeah, it's not a bad move actually. I mean, I'll think about it. Yeah. Oh, well, guys, I really do appreciate that. I'll make sure that I include all your uh, your um, your your uh, your links and all that stuff, and make sure that I get the word out there. Uh, and uh, I look forward to having you guys back on. I'm assuming you're going to do this again because I'm going to insist. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to, man. Awesome. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Goodbye. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for having us on, man. God bless. Have a good day, man. Absolutely. God bless, brothers.